Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the Word of God today. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. (laughs) Glad that you're with us today. Uh, We are in our series during Lent on the wilderness. Uh, The last couple weeks we've been looking at the wilderness. Last week we looked at Jesus and his experience in the wilderness. And then we looked at Mm -hmm. Jacob uh, wrestling with with God in in the wilderness. Yeah. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to watch those or listen to those, you're more than welcome to do that. We encourage you to do so. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, if this is something that's that's building your spirit up or it's it's filling your soul in some way or another, we encourage you to share it with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, we just know that, I know that we're all overextended when it comes to being online and being on screens, uh, but there is this really incredible opportunity we have as people of God to share the witness of Christ's love into the world right now through yep. screens. So I encourage you to do that if that is um, impacting you in some way or another. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I was hoping maybe you could just kind of give us a little background on with the wilderness and what it is again, just sure. yeah. kind of working definition of where we're at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, with last week's passage of Jesus in the wilderness and how, you know, he experienced so many ups and downs, um, such trauma and uncertainty in the wilderness. It, what we ended up thinking about was just how, how Jesus knows what it's like to be like we are living as well. So sometimes it feels like we're all alone in those spaces, but we have a savior who can empathize with the pain, the struggle, the loss. And the wilderness is that sort of, of a space. Uh, it could be that physical space or that metaphorical space of loss, of uncertainty, isolation. Um, I get the feeling of like being imbalanced a little bit imbalance is a good one i really like that yeah like things aren't quite right within you around you um out of sync out of rhythm perhaps definitely Um, definitely but that but that uh maybe abandonment even yeah oh man i'm and i know that a lot of us have felt that sort of sense of um being abandoned wondering where where our sustenance is to come from, whether it's like that soul sustenance or even that physical sustenance. Yeah, that's good. So the wilderness is a place though, not only does it feel like a place of loss, but it, there's an invitation in the wilderness to pay attention differently. Mm-hmm. We get to hear God's voice differently in that sort of space of loss and lack. Um, I know that for myself, when I am in a wilderness season, uh, I, I am in a space of prayer differently. Like, I feel like I'm on my knees in prayer differently when I'm in that wilderness, when when ministry feels impossible, when the burdens of others feel overwhelming, when my own children and my own marriage and my own relationships and, and, and my own financial issues and all these different things, when it feels like it's heavy and overwhelming, I find in that space, I am, I am in prayer differently. I am paying attention to the voice of God differently in that space. Would you say you're, that's the difference in your prayers? You're paying attention differently or is there something you're doing? No, I think there's just a desperation. Desperation. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a, like a state of heart or state yeah. of like a posture. Totally. Like that's good. I'm desperate. There's that song that goes, I'm desperate for you. Like that song just kills me. 
Um, so it, all that to say, like when we look at the Bible, when we look at like the stories of God and the stories of people, and then our stories as well, there's this like overarching narrative within the Bible about God's desire to connect mm. relationally with God's creation, with the people of God. Mm. Uh, and we see it in our own lives. We see it in the lives of others. We see it in the past in, in, in our, our family members, our parents, our grandparents who led us to the Lord, this sense of God's desire to be in relationship with us. And so the story we're going to look at today of the wilderness is just one small story in Abraham's story with him and God. There's lots of stories of Abraham being in the wilderness of sorts, um, and and this is just one of those. So we're going to look at that today. So, so it's Genesis uh, 15, 1 through the first part of 18. Um, do you want to read the whole thing first, or uh, you want to read? Nope. Okay. Nope. I just kind of want to... Well, I want to set it up a little bit because... It, this part of Genesis and Genesis 15 comes after God has first already made that connection with um, with Abraham, where, where God where God comes to Abraham essentially. Uh, it says in in verse or in uh, chapter 12, the Lord said to Ab- Abram was his name at this point. Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. And then God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless. Uh, I will bless you and you will then bless others. And so everything that you have will come from me and it will be used to bless the rest of the nations. And so Abraham is called by God. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. But it's not just for your benefit. It is actually for the benefit of others. And in that benefit for others, it actually makes my name great. It glorifies who I am. So Abraham then is meant to kind of point the rest of the nations to the goodness, the, the, the purposes of God in the world. So, and, and he says, you know, you're, you're going to leave your homeland. You're going to leave the familiarity. You're going to leave your comfort. You're going to leave what you've always known. Your identity is going to be left behind, essentially. And I'm going to lead you into a new place, a wilderness sort of place, where you might feel a little imbalanced, but I'll be with you in it all. And that, that really speaks to the the human experience. Mm. Um, you know, the way the story goes. I mean, we, we have many moments in our life, right? Where we um yeah. where we're we're asked we we leave. We leave something so familiar and yeah. so comfortable and um and we find and disruptions happen and it's very disorienting. Yeah. Um and we end up in places often that are um, dark and you feel alone and um, it, you know really this really speak to that to that part of our relationship and 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 I'm always so fascinated by the story of God and how it um, how God shows up and over and over and over again the perspective of God's people about God or that God is with them mm. and that's that's a very interesting unique point because often when we think about the Bible some people think that you know it was sort of handed down in this like you know, someone like moved the 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 um, the instrument across the the page or whatever the scroll, mm-hmm. and, and and so much of this is the people's perception of how they viewed God of them, and their view was God is with you in the wilderness. Yeah, I, I know we didn't talk about this beforehand, so you can say no and Ooh. and you know surprise we can out of this video. Uh, but I was wondering if you could share that story of when. Is when God invited you to leave, to leave your identity, to leave like who you were behind, 
and and how you were alone for a while in the wilderness when you were in junior high or high school, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's in those it was in those formative years of my life. Um, I mean, I guess they're all forming in some way. I just turned forty, and that's got its own formation. Yeah. Um, more uh, anyway, and and I remember uh, having this group of friends that I was had been raised with, and and they were um, sort of into things that weren't good so some drugs and alcohol and uh even some violence and i would say even the way that they um treated people who didn't look like them mm -hmm. so there was a lot of um a lot of racism mm -hmm. and white supremacy that was kind of laced into uh just their lives and it spilled over into mine and mm -hmm. um you know i remember being made fun of because my skin was darker and mm -hmm. um and they would give me, call me derogatory names, and, and yet they were my friends, quote unquote. Um, and I remember this, a moment where uh, God really was really asking me to do something kind of profound, uh, at least I thought for like a 13 or 14 year old, <laughs> which was, I mean, it was very clear. I want you to stop doing this, which was, uh, skateboarding was a big part of my life. And I want you to leave the friends that you have, mm. um, like go just leave them and this is going to hurt and it's going to suck. And I was, I was, I was someone who had dealt with, you know, I had all kinds of abandonment and things from just my family and, you know, parents who weren't around all that much. And, um, and so to leave, not, this was like my family in some ways, mm -hmm. you know, I was leaving all that I knew. And, uh, and so I did that and it was, you know, it was probably four or five months, which in the life of a teenager feels like forever. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, you realize in retrospect how short of a time it actually was. Um, yeah. but, but I did it and it was, and it was lonely and, and I, and I felt God's presence, particularly through community. Mm -hmm. Um, and not in, it was, it was like some youth leaders I have, uh, or had that, um, really poured into my life. And, and, and I think they recognized that I was in the wilderness mm -hmm. and they recognized, uh, the way, they could help support me. And and that posture was God with me in the wilderness. I mean, mm -hmm. God works through people. God uses people. I mean, how often are you somewhere and someone shows up randomly, you know, and you're just like, how did, where, what, are you serious? And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I love that. I think that that's such an important story because it shows that, you know, God is calling Abraham into a different way of living and being that invited him to let go of what was for what is to come, but he didn't know what was to come. He, he had to trust that God was going to be with him in it all. And just like you, like you didn't know what was to come. You knew that like if you left your friend group, you didn't know if you'd have friends on the other side or what that would even look like. No. It's a very isolating, it's a very, it's a time of imbalance. And, and, and the promise that God gives isn't necessarily... A, per, a perfect articulation of what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. It just, he says the promises uh, is his fidelity to us. That's right. That's um, right. His covenant with us, his um, connection and saying that I'm going with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and God showed up like God brought you friends. Yeah. That's the other part of the story. And a yeah. different, in a different time. And that was incredible. But there's a sense of like, uh, oftentimes we don't know, um, how long we'll be in the wilderness. And so the question is often, well, when, Lord, when am I going to be out of here? And I think God just keeps on answering with, yeah, I'm here with you. And we're like, no, no, when? 
I'm here with you. Yeah, the wine question is a big one because yeah. we, we live on, we have these timelines of, you know, this kind of chronology in our heads of like yeah. how life unfolds and it starts and it ends. And I think it's a kind of different time frame or different way of, I think God views things quite differently than, because, you know, when, when you think in terms of eternity. <laughs> I know, we're a blip. I don't, but, um, yeah. Mm. So all the way, like, let's go back to Abraham for a moment here. So Abraham is, you know, blessed by God. Um, and then it, it, the, the passages, the chapters of Genesis go on where like he's with his nephew Lot and they, they go through all sorts of like ups and downs together in, in their relationships. There's a famine, they all leave for Egypt. Um, there's like a fight that, you know, Lot gets captured by another king and Abram has to go fight for Lot's life. Like mm -hmm. there's just a lot that happens in the point of, in the passage of time from from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15 that we're in today. There's about 13 years that pass. Uh, and so in, the, in those 13 years, Abraham is following God, doing what God has asked him to do, and probably wondering when, when will I be made into a great nation? Mm -hmm. Like, when is this supposed to happen? What is this supposed to look like? Because right now, like in the beginning, Abram was what, 75 years old? Mm -hmm when God called him and then, and his wife was 65, they were up in age, they were barren, they had no children. How would God make them into a great nation if they had no children? How is that even possible? Which is where we find ourselves right now today. So uh, we're gonna read verses one to three to start. Genesis 15. Yeah, I just have to say, I, have, I would love sometime for someone to share an email with us or call us or text us or something. Um, but what you just said was Abraham was about 75. And yeah. I think about there's a lot of folks in our community who are 75, 70, 75, 80. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I would be curious to know how you read this. Mm. Like, what is it like to hear that? Yeah. I mean, as a 75-year-old that says, go. You know, <laughs> Calling or, happens Yeah, at I mean, you know, we, we kind of view things like, okay, at 75, we're kind of switching gears. Right, right. And maybe the switching gears, I don't know. I'm just so curious. So... We'd love to hear from you about that. Um, but I mean, obviously, like age was different then. There was people lived much longer than we do today. Uh, but at the same time, um, it, there's there's a reality like, we, you know, we're in seminary still and we have people in our seminary classes getting their Masters of Divinity at age 75. They're like, this is what I feel like I need to do for myself. And, and most of them are about like 60 if they're a little older and they're starting their second career as a pastor. But you know, there's no, there's no like timeline to God's calling. There's no cutoff date to what God calls us into. Um, there's never like a, a, well, I'm no longer relevant or I'm not, I'm no longer able to be used by God. Like God will um, utilize all sorts of people in all sorts of places. Mm -hmm. So it says here in verse one, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, no, so a servant of my household will be my heir. So I want to stop there because, it, because God is saying to Abram, I am your shield, like I am your protector, I am your very great reward, I am your provider, I am your protector, and your provider. This is what I am for you, God is saying to Abraham. And Abraham says, thanks, that's fantastic. I have a ton of wealth, 
all the nations around me respect me. Um, and I just got through this battle with this king and I overcame it. And so I, I can see that you are my provider. I can see that you're my protector. Like, I got it. I want more. That's Abram's response. Well, it's, it's what can you do for me? Yeah. Like Abraham just engages with God differently, like comes to God. So God first came to Abraham and now Abram comes to God, questions God. And in a way that actually, like when I read it, I, it makes me uncomfortable. I feel like he's being a little pushy and a little ungrateful. Like, yeah, well, why can't we just be satisfied with what we have? Right. And this is the first, this is the first time Abraham and God uh, talk to each other. Yes. So prior to this, Abraham's talked and God has talked, but they've never conversed in this, mm -hmm. in this way. And the first thing out of that we see out of Abram's mouth is a question. Mm -hmm. What can you do for me? What can you do for me? Yeah. And so for me, like I tend to want to see the world in like these rose colored glasses. I want to point out the silver linings that I can find in any kind of difficult situation that we're in. So I want to spin the difficulty into something useful, uh, saying that like God is using this time for this or for that. And look how God is shaping you and, and honing you and, and taking off the excess. Look, God is doing something really great here. And, and I never want to put too much pressure on God or like seem ungrateful to God in any way. Like I don't want to offend God by asking for too much. Why do we think... Yeah, I don't know where that's so interesting because that's such a good point. I mean, yeah. where does that come from where we feel like we have to behave in a certain way or we can only say certain things to God? Like there's almost like this perfect way to kind of interact with God. And I mean, Abraham just blows that whole thing up. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 that's not how this works. Like I'm going to be as honest and vulnerable and like truthful about what's going on here, God. Yeah, yeah. So and, instead of having like and, that, go ahead. You all, and... You promised me children. Yeah. And look, I'm 75. I'm getting... <laughs> no, he's like, he's like 80, almost 90 at this point. Almost 90 at this yeah. point. Right. That's right. Some time has passed. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, that's my concern right now. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, I, I've been faithful of these things and I need you to show up. Mm -hmm. And there's some, there's some anxiety in there too, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, maybe he senses he's getting towards the end of his life. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he's sensing in that moment, but it seems like God is, is giving him all he needs. And he's like, but there's more, there's more. I, th I think that you promised me more God. And I, and I'm okay with it being Eleazar, but I think that there's more for me. And I think that this is like his honesty in the moment is really important for him. There's, it's almost like a, it's almost like he's grieving what he doesn't have because he knows that he's meant to have it in some way or another. And so there's like this ancient practice of lament, of crying out to God in anguish and our heartbreak and our suffering, our pain, our mourning, that, that things aren't right. Things aren't the way that they're meant to be. Lament is, it's like this, it's, it's like making our pain God's pain. So it, it's, it's speaking it's out. our pain God's pain. Yeah, yeah, it's saying, God, this is what I'm feeling, and I need you to feel this with me. This is my problem, and I need you to take this problem with me. It's making our problems, or our uncertainty, or our, our anxieties. anxieties, God's. It's like we're handing it over and saying, okay, God, what are you going to do with this? 
This is what's happening within me. What are you going to do with this? It's making our problems and our loss into God's problems and God's loss. So lament is in a state of utter honesty and truth. Lament is when we come to God in the most honest and truthful ways. And I think that's what Abraham was doing. Yeah, and I think it ties into the wilderness nicely too. Yeah. Not ties in nicely like we have to make it fit, but just I think one of the things that happens in the wilderness is you is is you recognize that you need to lament and grieve yeah. because yeah. of the distractions that all the things that we've surrounded and insulated ourselves with aren't there. Mm-hmm. And so there's this exposure of soul. We're we're literally mm-hmm. we're literally exposed to the 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 real state of where we're at. And, and Abraham just goes for it. He's like, all right, God, this is what is happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got to tell you this. Yeah. yeah. I've got all this stuff. I've got your provision. I've got your protection. There's more. I know that there's more. And that shield, that, uh, that word shield, that, mm. you know, I, the way I kind of viewed it was like, God is in commun- communion and community and covenant with Abraham or Abram. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there is a shield around is, is it, I mean, it's a shield of vulnerability. It's mm-hmm. God's, it's God saying like, you can be exposed. You can share all the stuff be, yeah. because there is this thing that we have around us. Yeah. Yeah. So when we cry out to God and we remind God of God's promises, it will shift our perspective and our reliance on God differently. I want to read this passage again. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram with a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar, of Damascus and Abram said you have given me no children so a servant in my household will be my heir man the thing that I see here is that I think that God is looking for people who are willing to fight back mm-hmm. who are willing to have like skin in the game who are willing to engage with God in a different level. Like I want to be the kind of person who, who doesn't fight God on anything. I want to be like so grateful for what I have. Oh Lord, thank you. I don't want to ask for anything more or anything less. What you've given me is perfect in even itself. And I think that there's truth to that. Yes, but I think there's something that holds me back. It's that, that fear of, of pursuing God in a way that God is inviting us to pursue. Right? There's like this, this, I'm, I'm too afraid. But God begins this thing saying, do not be afraid. Lament looks like fighting back while feeling the deepest hurts and disappointments honestly. Mm-hmm. When we complain to God, when we cry out to God, this is not a mark of unfaithfulness. Lament and complaining to God and making our problems into God's problems, I believe, is a mark of faithfulness. It shows that we can that we believe that God can do more, and that we're not satisfied in what is. And it shows our it shows that we believe God's with us. Yeah, yeah. I think as well. Totally. Not that God needs us to show, but but I. So how does God respond? Yeah, let's get there. So, I, but I want I want to say like the, the the thing that's so important is that even though I want to like 
be grateful for everything that God has done for me and given me already. And I think gratitude is one of the most important characteristic traits of like forming and shaping us as a people of God. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely important, but we can be grateful while reminding God of God's promises. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they are in competition with each other. So I, I want to point out real quick, I think it's really important because this isn't the first time that God had told Abraham that he would have children. This isn't like, a, um, like hey, you know, just to let you know you're going to have kids. And Abraham's like, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm too old. I've got Eliezer. We're good here. Like back when Abraham was 75 years old in, in chapter 13, it says in verse um, verse 15, the Lord's talking to Abraham and he says, all this land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Hmm. So it's like God is saying, Abraham, look down. There's going to be plenty for you. The dust. Then, Look down at the dust. But then it says in chapter 15, right after Abraham's just like, God, what's going on? Where are you? Like, why aren't you giving me this thing that you promised? Like, I, Eliezer, I don't want Eliezer. I want my own child. And, and God says in, in verse, what is it? Verse four, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and the Lord said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Hmm. So I had been thinking quite a bit about this, um, this part of the passage where yeah. God responds to this kind of dialogue and conversation that he's having with Abraham. And what I what struck me actually just a bit ago was... I feel like it's Abraham saying, I can't do it alone. And I feel mm. like at the same time, it's God saying, I can't do it alone. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you, like, um, Abraham, you know, when he says to God, I, look, I've been trying to figure this out. I've got this other heir, and I just don't know what to do. Mm. And, and, you know, he said, what can you do for me? And I think God is saying, it's like, I do some of my best work when we work together. Like a partnership. Like a partnership, but not in like a, you know, I feel like sometimes we say that and it's this kind of uh, cliche, like, sure. oh, we work together with God. But I think it's like, it's different. It's um, it's God saying, like, I can't do this without you. And Abraham saying, I can't do this without you. Like, they they need one another. Yeah. And, and it looks different going forward when you need one another and you are working on it together. Um, and this isn't, I don't think this has to mean that this limits God's power. I think mm. it, what it speaks to is like the character and the nature of who God is and God wanting to be in a level of relationship and depth with his people. Yeah. Um, so then you go to the stars and he, and you know, why say the stars? I mean, yeah. he could have said, he already said the dust, he, already said the the dust. he could have said the blade of grass, totally. he could have said sands, you know, the sand of the the oceans and totally. you know he chooses the stars you know and you think about stars and star i mean i'm a little bit of a stargazer i really i love looking at the international space station when you see it fly over every so often and um and when you're looking up you know here in humble obviously we've got tons of stars that we can see a lot more than we can in the big city um 
the big city. Look at that. Look at me, the big city. We're in a small city. And I'm so a bit of a stargazer, but I mean, so stars give light. Yeah. They, they offer some of the best navigation ever, historically. Right. Even the ancients could name the stars, and it was their way. They found ways around things and to get certain places. I mean, yeah. it's a, you said it was a... Well, it speaks of wonder. Um, yeah. You, you, can always, you can always see them as a reference point. So it's almost like God is saying, look to the stars. So before you were looking to the ground, look up at the stars now. Look up. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's less look up and more look out. Mm. I yeah. mean, when we understand the way the universe is now, I mean, it's it's not like an up. It's you know, we it's we understand the universe is sort of yeah, but it's just it just goes, yeah. Um, and so it's like look out beyond what you can see, yeah. Um, because that is ju just how big God is and how God moves, and yeah, yeah, beyond what you can see, but at the same time, we can see the stars. So we have that reference point. So, so Abram had that reference point. When he wondered, okay, God, you said there would be a promise. Where is it? Every night he could look up to the stars and be reminded of the promise that God had given him. It is a constant reminder that God was faithful to God's promises. And it says in verse 6 here, it says, Abraham, or Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. This, a lot of translators think that this was translated incorrectly. The way that it should be is that Abram believed the Lord because the Lord was righteous, because the Lord was faithful to promises. So Abram's belief in God's promises was, was the, the catalyst for what needed to be moving forward in his life. And just like in your experience with your friends, with your friendships and, and letting go of your friendships and then being alone for quite some time wondering where God, if God would fill that void, that sense of like loneliness and isolation that you were experiencing, you probably ask that question of when all the time. For, for Abram, it took another 13 years before he had Isaac. There were other complications. We're going to look at Hagar next week uh, with Ishmael, but um that, that when is a big one for most of us. We want to know when. And, and for you, you were alone for a number of months before God brought incredible Christian friends into your life that like are still your best friends today. Um, yeah. And the but, one question is such, it's so, it's so palpable even, yeah. you know, even in this moment. I mean, we want to know when we're going to get out of this, this current moment we're in, you know, yeah. um, and so much has changed for us in the last year for, for everyone. I mean, really, in every possible shape and angle of our lives, something significant has changed and it affects all of us. Um, the, when, the when might not be answered. It might not even be in your generation, which is so discouraging to hear. In this passage, it says that, that Abram's family will be enslaved for 400 years. Like all these different things happen, these, these complications in our lives. And so we might not ever get an answer for when. So what do we do in the meantime when we're wondering when will you hold true to your promises, God? And I kept coming back to that passage of scripture where Jesus is talking to his disciples and to different people. And, and he says to them, come to me, all you who are weary Come to me with your laments and your problems 
Come to me when you are weary from asking, when you are weary from trudging forward, when you are weary with an unanswered whens. Come to me when you are tired of asking, when is God going to fulfill this promise? Come to me, mm -hmm. Jesus says, and you will have rest for your souls. Mm -hmm. Friends, you might not have answers. We might not know when, the end is when we'll get out of whatever it is that we are experiencing in this moment, the hardships, the uncertainty, the overwhelming sadness, the grief, the things aren't right. We don't know when, but we do have a savior we can come to. And it's there we find rest for our souls. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you the everlasting peace and grace of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.